Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Before we get to the message, I wanted to update you on a few things that are going on at Kensington we're super excited about, one of which is my area of specialty, student ministry. I know COVID-19 has summer looking a little crazy and it's not quite normal, but we have put together what we think is an awesome schedule for our middle school and high school students. We've got some great events coming up throughout these last couple of months of summer. Um, so if you guys want to check those out, you can go to the events page on our website, kensingtonorlando.org, or you can check out our Facebook it has a, a post of all the things that we have going on, or you can always email me. I love to answer any questions that you have. Go ahead and register your students for anything they want to come to. We're having, we're trying to have fun, even though we got to do social distancing and all that stuff. We're still going to have some fun this summer. Um, speaking of COVID-19, we want to just update you. Um, we are preparing to be in person July 12th at Windermere Prep. We're so excited to see you guys again. Um, and we have... We are prepping. We have procedures in place. We have a lot of stuff going on to try and keep everyone safe, but also be able to have service in person. Uh, to check out all of those procedures and processes, you can go to kensingtonorlando.org COVID-19. Uh, it's on your screen. You can go to that website, and it has a detailed list of everything that we're doing to keep you guys safe and make sure we can still have a good time. One of the things that we're doing is we're changing a little bit of how our kids' ministry works. Um, so typically we have uh, nursery and pre-K as well as elementary, both services. We're going to change that around a little bit and we're going to have elementary during just our second service. We'll have nursery and pre-K available during both, but our elementary K-Kids service will only happen during our 11:15 second service. Um, and that is to able, be able to have enough volunteers, keep everybody social distance and do everything in a, in a way that keeps everybody safe and being able to have fun. So we also wanted to thank you guys. We are so appreciative of those of you who are continuing to give and fund what we are doing here. We are still on mission. We are still trying to reach people for the kingdom of Christ. And uh, we want to thank you guys for supporting that um, through your various ways. One of the best ways, if you're not doing that and you want to, um, one of the best ways to do that is online at kensingtonorlando.org. And you can go to the giving tab. You can give that way. Um, we appreciate all you guys are doing. Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoyed this week's Binge Watch with Bill. Hello, everyone. So glad you could join us again today uh, for our last message on Joshua. <clears throat> we've, we've talked about Joshua's progression over the last three weeks as, as a binge watch kind of series. And, and we first discussed Joshua as the apprentice, if you remember. Uh, you have to learn from somebody, and Joshua learned from Moses. Next, we talked about Joshua as the scout. Uh, we talked about him going into that, into Jericho and, and into the promised land to see if we could take it. And, and he recognized God's power, and he showed faith and not fear as he went, went into that scouting role. And then we talked about Joshua as the rookie. Last week, it was, it was him um, realizing that even though he was new to this, this whole leading his people thing, he was not alone, and he had God's resources. He had God's people. God provided for him 
to be successful in what he was doing, and he had the confidence that he needed. So this week, we're going to talk about Joshua as the general, the commander, the military leader. And, and I, I know what a lot of you are thinking right now, and, and I, I, just, I just want to say up front that some of you are thinking, well, I'm not a general, nor do I ever want to be a general. I'm not even a leader and, and not sure I want to be a leader. Why do I need to listen to these things? And I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say this about that thought process, because a lot of times we, we really don't give ourselves enough credit for what impact we're going to have. So realize everyone is leading someone. Someone is watching you and, and you are shaping and molding some other person with either good habits or bad ones. And we can't control what people will do and how they'll respond. We can't determine what path they'll take, but, but we can do what Jesus encouraged us to do. In Matthew 5.16, he, he said in the same way, we should let our light shine before men so that they could see our good deeds and praise the Father in heaven. That should be our goal. That should be our goal as leaders, as examples, as people who want to influence others for good things. And so I just encourage you today to remember someone's watching you. You will have an impact on someone's life, whether you like it or not. I used to always tell my kids, there's no such thing as a bad example. There's no such thing as a worthless person. You can always use them as a bad example. So we, we need to either be good examples or bad examples. Now, many of you know that I spent a lot of time. I spent 26 years in the Air Force, and I worked for quite a few generals in that time. And, and I've also had actually quite a few good friends who have risen to the rank of general. And that's, that's no small feat when you consider that there are only nine four-star generals in all of the Air Force with 300,000 personnel in the Air Force, there's only nine people that will rise to that rank. In the entire military, there are only 24 four-star generals out of 1.3 million personnel. So it's, it's quite impressive when a person rises to that level. Now, the people that have risen to that rank, they had a few things in common. And I, I wanna just talk about those very, very briefly because that's not the point of the message, but they were all good at their job. They were good while they were learning, kind of like Joshua was learning from Moses. These people were learning and doing a good job at where they started. They weren't afraid to take some risks as they encountered difficult situations, just like Joshua when he went into the promised land and he said, hey, we can, we can take this. We can, we can do this because God is behind us. These people who have risen to general they, they've had that attitude. They've had that confidence in their, in their life. And number three, they surrounded themselves as they rose in rank and as they rose in responsibility. They surrounded themselves with good people who they trusted and from whom they earned trust. Just like Joshua did with the two million people that he led into the promised land, he had to gain their trust. And he learned how to do that from Moses as a rookie leader. So think about the generals in the military. We're probably familiar with them because we see them on the news, but the, the military generals today, they're a little different than, than what General, we call Joshua, 
was, was destined to do. He was to become not just a general of the army, but he was destined to become a godly leader, taking orders from the commander of God's army. Now, I spent, I, I personally spent three years teaching leadership at a military school called Air University. And, and we, we did, we taught students the typical skills of leadership, like integrity, the ability to delegate, communication. I'm, I'm not downplaying these. These are all good. Self-awareness, influence, empathy, courage, decisiveness, respect, vision, purpose, trust, problem-solving, perspective, listening, accountability, motivation, all of those things you need to learn as a leader of men, as a leader in the military, we needed to have those things. And we spent eight and a half weeks drumming these things into our students so that they someday would learn how to become leaders. Now, all of these things are good qualities and really help people to lead others in the military, but Joshua wasn't just a military general. He was, he was more than that. God chose him. He was called to be a godly leader. And while the principles of godly leadership, they'll benefit anyone in any kind of leadership role, let me just say military leaders aren't primarily concerned with, with God and what he thinks. They, they should be, but they aren't always concerned with that. And I want to share with you today the difference between what Joshua has been destined to do or was destined to do as a strong military leader and also a strong godly leader. So yeah, keep those things in mind, all those qualities, all those attributes of integrity and decisiveness and communication skills and motivation, all those things are good. But Joshua had those qualities, but he had more important ones as, as he became committed to God's purpose for his life and for the life of his people. And the first quality that I wanted to illustrate and, and demonstrate that Joshua had was, was respect for God's authority. And you, you, you can see how when a person has respect for their own authority, it makes a huge difference in their life. And so in Joshua 5, 13 through 15, we, re, we read this. Now, now this is going to be uh, I, I'm going to tell you, this is almost a little comical to me as a military guy to look at these plans. So bear with me as I go through this. Uh, so he, here's what we read. It says, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and he asked, here, this is a little comical to me. Are you for us? Or are you for our enemies? I, I can't picture myself going up to somebody I didn't know and say, are you going to kill me or are you going to be with me? Well, anyway, Joshua did that. He went up and he said, are you for us? Or are you for our enemies? And, and, the, and the person he went up to said, neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, this commander was, was either an angel sent by God, or he was a pre-incarnate visit from Jesus himself. And in either case, <clears throat> Joshua recognized, and he respected the authority of God. 
He took off his sandals and he bowed in reverence. Now notice, notice that he didn't take the visit as an affront to his leadership and to his own authority, but rather he submitted. He submitted to the commander of the Lord's army. That's really, really important. So any action we take as godly leaders has to come from God or the one he sends into our lives. And I have known and even worked for some in authority that resent their bosses checking up on them. They, they, uh, they don't like being given direction. They don't like b- taking orders. And it, it seems to me like it's a little bit of a pride issue. Uh, it's the human condition that we're in. We struggle with being questioned or directed. And, and even by our boss, even by somebody who has the right and the authority to do it. So as we are becoming godly leaders, we respect the fact. Now, now think about this for a second. We respect the fact that God knows a little bit more than we do, and we submit to his authority. Doesn't that make sense? It, it, just, it just makes perfect sense that we would submit to his authority. So here, here's a story that it reminded me. I remember when Jesus encountered the Roman centurion, and the Roman centurion came up to him, and he said, he said my, my servant is, is gravely ill. And Jesus said to him, well, do you want me to come and heal him? And the servant said, the Roman centurion said, hey, listen, I, I'm a man under authority. I don't deserve for you to come under my roof. I have people that I say come and they come. I say go and they go. And you just say the word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus responded to that from this Roman centurion by saying, that he had not found such great faith in all of Israel. And that's the second attribute of a a godly leader that I wanted to talk about today is faith. And a godly leader has to have faith. Joshua was given a battle plan. And here's, this is the part that's a little comical to a military guy. He was given a battle plan that would seem pretty ridiculous to most of us military leaders. Here's what the commander said to Joshua in Joshua 6, 2 through 5. He said, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of rams, horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast in the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Now, for someone without faith in their leader, this wouldn't seem like a very good plan at all. And, and, and here's how Joshua reacted. Joshua reacted to this and he demonstrated his faith in what he did next. And and skip down to to verses 6 through 11. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, 
Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Don't say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Now, I, I can just imagine. Imagine the look on some of the soldiers' faces when Joshua gave this order. They're like, what? We're taking the city by marching around it and blowing trumpets and shouting? How's that going to work? Well, Joshua had faith not only for himself, but for all of the people. And he trusted God that he had given him the plan that was going to work. Skip down to verses 14 through 21. It says, so on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. They did this for six full days. And on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Uh, and the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And when the trumpet sounded, sure enough, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. How about that? God was faithful. And Joshua's faith was justified. And the Lord, and, and he devoted himself to the city of the Lord. They said, give, give these, these things only to the Lord. Don't take any of them for yourself. And they killed. It says, it says they, they, everyone charged straight in. They took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord. They destroyed it with the sword. Every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Now, what do, we, what do we think God thought of that? It says God was pleased. In verse 27, it says the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. That's what we read in verse 27. Now fame, fame after a great victory like this can be a very difficult thing to handle. And it's caused many, I've seen many go astray because of their fame, because of their success. Uh, Joshua and whoever wants to be an effective leader they, they have to realize that, that they're not more valuable or better than those who follow them and who assist them in doing their job. They just have a different role to play. And, and what this takes for a, a godly leader to realize is it takes humility. It takes for, uh, it requires humility. And, and this is the third characteristic I wanted to talk about as far as a godly leader has to have humility. Now, what is humility? Humility is not putting yourself down. It's not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less and thinking of others more. Uh, Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And so that's the quality of a leader that, that they have to have in, in having humility. So he or she must be decisive, but they always have to be willing to listen to the advice and counsel of others. And that takes, that takes humility. And it may be the most difficult thing for a leader to do, but, but I'll tell you what, it's also the most endearing thing to their followers. So when, when, a, when a godly leader values those who follow them, it earns their respect and it earns their loyalty. And, it, and that doesn't come come from demanding or a harsh type of leadership. 
Now, I remember uh, when I was at the Air Force Academy, some of you know I went there when I was with the college. I was learning to be a leader in the Air Force. That was our mission, to, to be trained as career officers in the United States Air Force. We had to learn this quote, and we called it the discipline quote. And 45 years ago, I learned this quote, but I still remember most of it. And, and the quote goes like this. It says, the discipline which makes the soldiers of a free country reliable in battle is not to be gained by harsh or tyrannical treatment. On the contrary, such treatment is far more likely to destroy than to make an army. And he goes on to say, it is possible to impart instruction and give commands in such a manner and in such a tone of voice as to inspire in the soldier no feeling but an intense desire to obey. While the opposite manner and tone of voice cannot fail to excite strong resentment and a desire to disobey. The one mode or the other in dealing with subordinates springs from a, a corresponding spirit in the breast of the commander. So it's, it's within them and it comes out of them as it springs from there. And it says, he who feels respect, which is due to others, cannot fail to inspire in them respect for himself, while he who feels and hence manifests disrespect toward others, especially his subordinates, cannot fail to inspire hatred against himself. Now, this was given in a speech by Lieutenant General John Schofield in 1879 at the Military Academy's graduation. And this quote, this, this spirit of discipline, this spirit of respect for subordinates and for those around us in a leader have, have been used ever since. That's a long time for something to, to be quoted and to be remembered by future and and it will be quoted in the future for military leaders who will come about. Now, this is, this is an indicator that, that humility is part of power. Jesus, Jesus confirmed that. When he was referencing the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth in Matthew 5, 5. And, and in, this, in this passage where Jesus said this, he said meekness, meekness doesn't mean weakness. It means power under control. And that's really the definition of, of meekness. And power is often hard to keep under control. And, and as such, we have, to, we have to have a way of keeping that power and that success that Joshua achieved and he experienced and, and the success that we achieve in our life. We have to have a way of keeping that under control as a godly leader. And, and the way we do that is a godly leader prays. He prays. Prayer, it may seem like an odd thing to some, but in, in my experience, when, when we pray and we keep ourselves on the right path, the world is so full of distractions and so full of temptations that it could lead us down a road that we don't want to go as a godly leader. And so I, I, I would tell you that this action, this habit of prayer in a leader's life, it encompasses all three of the qualities that I just talked about. It shows respect for the authority of God. It shows faith that we trust that what we hear from God is going to be, is going to be something useful in our life. And it, it shows humility that we understand we need constant help and constant guidance from the one we serve. And so 
how do we do this? How often do we have to pray? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says it very clearly. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. How can we do that? Is it even possible? And I would tell you that it's not just possible. It's essential if we're going to maintain our perspective and if we're going to practice wisdom in leading those whom, in whom God has entrusted us. So I was, I was inspired last week um, as we, we sat uh, doing our, our weekly prayer meeting. We, we pray every Sunday at, at 8.30, from 8.30 to 9.15. There's a group of, of people in our church that, that prays. And I was inspired by a statement made by a friend and prayer partner. You know her. She's been on this stage, Debbie Valentine. I did ask her permission if I could share her name. And, and she said this. Uh, she said something to this effect. She said, it's sad. It's sad that our worship services and worship centers are full, but our prayer rooms are empty. If we don't change and bow before God in prayer, how can we ever expect him to give us the blessings that he wants to give us? And I, I thought about that and I thought about as, as I think about a leader and what he needs to do. And if a leader doesn't pray faithfully, he or she cannot represent God in the way that he should. Without prayer, we're not tapping into the wisdom and the discernment that we need as God's people. So as, as I said in the beginning, you may not think that you are or need to be a leader, but you really are being watched. You're really being watched by someone. And and we all need to keep growing in order to become the people God wants us to become. So I'm going to go over a few more of these leadership aspects. Tune in on Wednesday. I'll cover some more aspects of what a leader needs to practice and possess. But for now, let me ask you, have you made the first step to be a godly leader? And that, that first step is demonstrating faith in Christ by receiving his free gift of salvation. If not, then I, I invite you to do that right now. It's, it's nothing magical. It's nothing that you have to wait on. It's nothing that you have to think about. If the Spirit is leading you right now to start your relationship, to start your journey with Christ, then I would invite you to pray with me right now and start this journey of leadership, godly leadership in your life. So as, as you sit there watching this, wherever you're watching this, this video, uh, close your eyes, concentrate, focus, and, and give your heart this, these words and, and say them to God as I, as I pray. God, we all, we all need you. We're lost in this world without you. Sometimes, God, we, we don't even realize. We don't even realize how lost we are. So we, we pray right now that your spirit would show us what we need from you to make the most of our lives we ask you right now to save us from our sins if we haven't already asked you that and and we we know that that you would cleanse us and that you would make us new so whether we're new to this or whether we've trusted you for a long time god we know that we still need your daily touch and your reminder that you're with us and that you'll never leave or forsake us and we thank you right now for saving us, for making us whole. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
And I want to say if you prayed that prayer, any part of that prayer, especially the part where you, you said, forgive me for my sins, I want to trust you, I want my life to change. If you receive that free gift of salvation today, I, I just encourage you to share that with somebody. Share that you've done that. And share with them how God has spoken to you and how you desire to change the way that you live and how you think. And, and, and next week's message will be all about that. It'll be all about change and how we go about making that change. So right now, as we close this message, I encourage you to take a few more minutes and, and join our band in a worship song that will hopefully bless you and honor God. Have a great week.
don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working.